Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Ignite Your Faith. I'm Jason, and the man across the table, y'all know him, y'all love his beard. It's Alex. Alex, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. Been a been a busy week, but I'm doing good. <laughs> I, you know what? It's been a busy couple months, honestly. Um, today, guys, we got a special show. If you didn't catch the last one, it was all about lust. It was all about there was tips in there on how to literally change your mindset and 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 you know carry on a decent you know fix your marriage that's <laughs> what it's really all about it's fix your marriage make your wife happy make your man happy everybody be happy and we're just happy happy joy joy uh anyways today we got a great episode uh we've actually have our first guest on i'm super excited to have her uh she actually had me on her uh podcast oh, a couple weeks ago and we had a great discussion uh things like exodus and uh i got my head stuck in deuteronomy there for a while which was actually really interesting um, but anyway, we have Michelle from the Flawedcast. Uh, Michelle, you want to introduce yourself? Oh, hi, everyone. It is so awesome to be on here today. This is actually my first podcast that I'm being a guest on. So it's pretty exciting. Um, I am Anna Michelle Gomo, and I host the podcast, The Flawedcast. Um, so I think that's pretty much a quick intro. <laughs> So first of all, before we even keep going, Alex, man, I got to give you props. Thank you, sir, for getting everything going. <laughs> Michelle, I totally apologize about the misscheduling um, and the uh, 30 to 45 minute wait on getting everything uh, hooked up while you sat there. You were a total trooper, and I totally appreciate it. And again, I apologize. Like she said, it's her first time being on somebody else's podcast. So this is our first time having somebody on our podcast. So this is this is awesome. This is a dream come true for everybody, it sounds like. All right, so let's di- dive right into it. Um, like I said, we've got episode four. We're dealing with the seven deadly sins. Last week, our last episode, we covered um, lust. Now we're going to cover wrath, and it feels like the perfect topic with everything that's going on in the world, uh, especially here in the USA. Uh, Michelle is not in the USA. She is across the pond, as they say. Um, it's not Australia, so it's not another shrimp on the Barbie, but Barbie. I think that's how they say it. Another shrimp on the Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Now we don't have any Australian listeners because <laughs> of my horrible accent. You never know. <laughs> uh, but anyways, no, we're guys, we're covering wrath, um, anger. Woo. And here in the past few years, uh, it seems like, especially right at the onset of coronavirus and then maybe even a little bit before that, uh, the George Floyd incident, um, uh, we just have a lot of anger, um, and, so we're going to talk about anger. We're going to talk about righteous anger and wrath, and we're going to we're gonna just dive right into it. So, Alex, I'm going to start you off. I'm going to let you go with the definition and the difference between righteous anger and wrath. Okay. Let's start with um, when we think of, of, of wrath, this is just how I, how I understand it. Wrath is the, is, is the action, the byproduct of anger, right? Whenever you look in the definition of of wrath is properly settled anger rising up an ongoing fixed opposition. So whenever you think about the fixed opposition and within a God context, God has this this ongoing flow of anger towards sin. Right. And so whenever he pulled out the cup of wrath on Jesus, it was the action of his anger. Right. So the wrath is whenever your anger boils up to the point that you are acting it out. So in the Bible, the Greek word is thymos, which means to rush along, getting heat up, breathing violently, 
properly. It's passion-driven behavior. So the Greek word for it is passion-driven behavior. So it's the acting out of the anger, whereas the definition for anger, it can be just expressing something. Um, it's always negative. With God, it's negative rising against the flesh. So then when we're talking about righteous anger, you, you, you kind of started out with a deep, with jumping right in there. <laughs> <laughs> My so bad. <laughs> with, 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 with righteous anger, you would, you would break down the two words. So righteous means to be right standing with God. Right. Righteous anger would be an anger that keeps us in right standing with God. Okay. Right? Yeah. So that, that would be, that would be, uh, um, how I understand it in my sort of um, breaking down the definitions of yeah, the, uh, that's the actually a great breaking down, uh, Michelle. What do you think? Um, I think that the main difference between um, sinful anger and then righteous anger is the focus. So we have anger, which is like that feeling when a situation um, is different from what we want it to be. So you get to have that quick response, which is anger. And then how you act that feeling out then determines if it's sinful or not sinful. But then with righteous anger, it is the kind of response to a situation that does not um, align with what God wants. So when you have sinful anger, it's a response to a situation that does not align with what we want. Like if it's not in our favor, if it's not something that we want to happen, then we have that sinful anger if you act it out. But then when it's a situation that doesn't favor God or that um, goes against what God wants or against um, the moral structure that guides us as Christians, then it can become righteous anger. So I think the main difference between the two is like the focus. Is it on what you want or on what God wants? I like that. That's no, like really good. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. So... Um, so here we are. So, uh, can we give an example of, uh, righteous anger? Jesus displays it as he goes into the temple and they're gambling and they're treating it with utter disrespect and just disgust. And Alex, I'll let you carry that one on. I like that. Uh, I like that you brought that story up because I, I love that story. I, I, I've taught that, uh, whenever you, whenever you, you read the story, it says that, uh, Jesus goes into the temple and he weaves the whip, right? So th to me, this paints a picture of anger, but that's in control. Right. Right? So he's he's angered because what they were doing is they were selling um, the sacrifices and making profit off of it. Right. And so, and so that, that's why he comes in and say, and says, don't make my father's house a marketplace or a market of selling that. Right. So they were making profit off of, and that was never supposed to be the, the, the case. So he comes in and he sees it. And in that moment, anger arises. Right. But he doesn't lose control. He has enough control to weave the whip. Which that's is, my which favorite is, part. I know. That's I super love cool, that. man. That is so and cool. So he sits down, he weaves the whip. And then he gets up and goes to town. So he's completely in control because I don't know anybody that's out of control that can weave a whip. Right. Right. And so he has enough time yeah. to weave the whip. So I, that, that story, uh, super cool. You know what I mean? It, well, it really is. And to, <laughs> so it displays the ultimate control of self-control or the ultimate, um, what am I trying to say here? The ultimate image of self-control yeah, yeah. because he sat down he didn't just react and explode mm -hmm. he literally thought 
did what he had to do, and then got up and took care of business. And I, I got a question for you, Michelle. From the from, within that story, it, this just kind of came in, it, into my mind. Jesus, he gets he gets angry, right? And a lot of times you hear people talk about how anger is a secondary emotion. It's either to hurt, to sadness, fear, something. What do you think was the root to uh, if Jesus's anger was secondary? What was the initial emotion? that defiling the house was causing in Jesus, right? Like what, what was. Yeah, that, that's a really good question. For me, I think it was um, Jesus having to see this people that he came to save act this way, you know, all along when Jesus started his ministry, it was about saving the Israelites, saving the entire world. And then when we take so many steps back, like where we are at, at my podcast, um, going through the entire Bible, we're literally at the beginning of the Bible. We see these same people, the Israelites, um, kind of having that on and off relationship with God. It's such a complex relationship because you see where God wants to bring these people in and then they disobey and then they go back to their old way of life. And then that continues to happen. So when Jesus sees these people, he kind of sees that he, I mean, he was he existed since that period. He always existed. So he knew that these people were so stubborn. They just found it really hard to get it right with God. So I think for me, um, the first emotion Jesus would have felt is pity. He did pity these people. Like they just found it hard to get right with God. And then after pity, it would be anger because I mean, he came down for these people to, um, build and mend their relationship with God and seeing them act out in the same temple that was supposed to be consecrated for worship um, kind of fueled their anger. So I think for me, the first emotion Jesus would have um, experienced was pity and then anger. Yeah, I like that. One of, one of the, as I was researching um, anger versus wrath, I, I came across this um, we keep referring to it as righteous anger, right? But this is only the Lord exercises righteous wrath, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Okay. So Fair we, enough. So we must depend solely on him as we experience or express the anger. Right. Right. So the behavior of pouring out our anger on somebody, being angry, righteous anger is one thing. But righteous wrath is the expression of it. Is where vengeance is mine. Say, say, yes. it, say. Yeah, I was Lord. actually going to go there because we did a class with Miss Amanda mm-hmm. on that, and they were talking about seeking vengeance and all that. That's that's God's place. That's the Lord's yeah. uh, domain, not ours. We're supposed to put our faith in God and allow Him to seek the vengeance and not ourselves. So how far? And I would I would also like um, your thoughts on this from coming from a different a different country. So how far does that go? Right? So if, if only God expresses righteous wrath, right? How, how far is the line that I'm allowed to express anger? So like if somebody hurts my child, right? Right. I can stop them, right? Because they shouldn't hurt my child. So righteous wrath, I'm, I'm doing something protecting a child. So that's one line. But where is the line of turning the cheek, of letting God have the righteous wrath, him pouring it out, 
where is for you or uh, within where is that line? Yeah, that that is that is just um, mind blowing because I did ask this question. So we are having this Lenten retreat um, yesterday, and I asked the same question. Um, it's it's quite complex because then you would ask, okay, so where is the line drawn between when I forgive someone and then when I actually do the right thing by reacting to that situation? I think for me, it's that we are told to forgive as Christians, you know, because God forgave us our sins and we're told to forgive without grudge and without expecting anything in return. But um, in situations like the example you cited involving the child, in situations where someone else's um, life is at stake, I think we, we have to do the right thing and then kind of prevent that evil from spreading out you know like report to the right authorities but the thing with anger is that anger is a deadly sin because in itself it's it's not a sin it's a feeling and an emotion but it's it can be that foundation where other sins can be built on so if it's not well controlled then it can lead to a barrage of problems and sins and so anger can also turn to hatred now, hatred is where we draw the line because we cannot hate while being children of God. We are literally children of God because we love the way God loves us. Yes, and I feel, yeah, I feel that is easier to say. <laughs> is it to say that you love people that hurt you? But like in practical, it's, it's just it's hard to keep up. But we have to um, first of all realize that fact that we are called to love, even in situations where it seems impossible. So I feel the, the part where we draw the line is where our anger turns to hatred. So the thing with righteous anger is that it's not, um, it's not targeted at the person. It's targeted at the issue. So with the example with Jesus um, weeping the people at the temple, he didn't do that to hurt the people. He did it at what they were doing. It was targeted at what they were doing, which was um, turning God's house to a den of thieves. But when our anger is targeted at people, when we hate the people because of what they did to us, now that's where we draw the line because we cannot hate what God has created and then claim to love him. So for me, I think I think that it, it's really complex in some um, very sensitive situations, but I think that can give us a clue as to how we get to control our anger and act it out. You had, I, I liked when you said, as you were talking, how it came out, how, how I understood it was the, the, if it's, if the, if the behavior or the wrath is directed at a person to inflict something on a person just for the sake of it, it's, it's, it's wrong, right? But if the act, if the act or the wrath is poured out in order to protect like a child, that's those those are two different motives right one is protecting and and one is hating right and so um i like that it's it's the motive the heart right the the heart behind the behavior i guess so this is kind of a perfect segue into it because i wanted to kind of touch base on racism um being that we're talking about hate right now perfect time to really start bringing up uh racism um and the way that so i feel like there's a lot of triggering and I don't know how how familiar you are, you are with uh, pop culture and current events that's going on here in the U.S., um, Michelle. But uh, things like the George Floyd murder, um, yeah. and there's a umpteen other million others that have gone on. 
um, that has really sparked a a massive influence and an influx of people being accused of being racist or being full of hate. Um, the one thing that really, uh, really is kind of painful is to see that everybody is now being even even if it's a black man accusing another black man, they're calling them a white supremacist, and it's really it's really gotten out of control. It's really disgusting. Um, do I feel that racism still exists in America today? Yes, I do very much. Um, do I feel that it is a massive issue that every white person walking around is literally uh, a white supremacist and aims to keep, you know, the African-American, the Asian-American, whatever you are, uh, the communities down and keep them under their thumb of authority? I do not. Or oppression. Um, the way I look at America, I love America. I love all my brothers and sisters. <clears throat> this country was founded on literally on immigration and different cultures coming together to literally build this country. And that's what this country is all about. So are you familiar with the, uh, the current events of the mainstream media pushing and shoving down our throats that basically everybody is racist. That's not a minority. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's everywhere. It's on social media. So yeah, I, I, I've seen what's been going on. And how do you see that? Um, well, first of all, I would just like to put this out there that I have personally not experienced racism because I reside in my country. Pretty much everyone here is black. So I'll just first of all say that. So I really might not be um, the best person to describe what is racism or not. But I do have my own opinions. And I feel like the, the media is very biased in the sense that sometimes they just push a certain agenda because it would get more clicks, it would get more popularity, it would kind of incite something bigger that could push their agenda. So I do think that the mainstream media is quite toxic in that sense in pushing racism to be what it's not. I feel like um, this generation is really sensitive, actually. <laughs> um, let me just give this quick example. So I was watching this video one time on Instagram. So it was about a Nigerian man in the U.S. No, I think it was the U.K. So um, from the looks of it, he was homeless, right? Because he had his baggage with him. And then he was arguing with the manager of this gym. It was a heated argument. And it was about the fact that he was kicked out of the gym. And then he was complaining that he, he they had no right to kick him out because he paid for subscription. He he was a regular customer. But then you have this woman in the background. She's a black woman. And she's telling him, but like, this is not the only gym you've been kicked out of. And then he was just raising at the top of his voice, saying that they're racist and they, would, they wouldn't do this to a white person. But then the woman was like, no, that's not true. Like, this has nothing to do with racism because you're practically sleeping here. Like, it's not allowed. It's against the rules. But then he goes ahead to raise that racism card in court. And then when I scroll through the comments, like, I'm pretty sure, because the part where the other woman comes in and, like, explains everything is, like, um, the eight minutes into the video. So I'm pretty sure most people did not watch the video up until that point. And then I'm going through the comments, and everyone's like, they would not do this to a white person. This is so racist. This is... I'm like, y'all don't even... You, you didn't watch the entire video. You definitely did not watch the entire video. So, yeah, I do believe that the media is very biased because some certain things aren't racist i mean racism does exist but 
it's definitely not on the scale that the media is pushing it. So my next question leading into that, and Alex, did you want to touch base on that? Okay. No, you want to leave that one alone? <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I'm fine. I, I'll just No, wait. no, she, I like how she, where she went with it. But um, my next question is, um, is there an ulterior motive, an agenda that's being um, behind the scenes and in the dark shadows? Because we know I'm a conspiracy guy and I like to go there a little bit. <laughs> um, is there an agenda behind this? Are they trying to create uh, a situation, especially within what we call the last of the free countries and um, the last, you know, America is supposed to be for everybody. So are they trying to create uh, an issue uh, for a specific reason? Do you see anything like that going on? Yeah, I feel like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like, like that's exactly what's going on. Because first of all, I would like to say that we live in a physical world, but we have the physical world being controlled by what's going spiritually. Um, I don't want to sound too spiritual, but that's exactly what happens. And so when we see certain kind of things, we know that something else is going on underground, you know. And I feel like their main agenda um, is to cause division. You know, the entire point of the church, the entire point of God um, wanting to be their relationship is so that we can be united. We, ha- yes. we can have a bond of love. Like the entire, the center of everything is love, you know? And so if they can break that, if they can kind of divide that and prevent people from loving other people, then they can um, have that power to, should I say wreck? I don't think they can essentially wreck God's plan. They're not that powerful, but they can puncture hopes into God's plan. And that's exactly what's going on. And it would be really hard to love God and to do what I'm called to do as a Christian if I'm bearing that grudge or that hatred towards someone else. So I feel essentially that's that's the goal, the aim to cause division. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree 100%. I'm going to turn the mic over to Alex here in just a second. He looks like he's got something to say. Um, Anyways, the other thing that I wanted to comment on is, so what you're saying is, and I feel this 100% that this is literally a a spiritual battle, even though you said you didn't want to sound too spiritual, but it is all about spirituality and the battle of good and evil. That's what we're seeing. And like you said, puncture holes into God's plan um, because they ultimately can't stop him. But I feel like, like what you were saying is that there's more of a delay or an attempted delay in God's plan as much as they can so that they can ultimately find the way to win the good, the battle versus good and evil. That's kind of how I see it. No, yeah, I agree. I think that the uh, getting it for me, it's 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 multiple it's multiple levels, right? And for me, if you go back to the beginning, like uh, like yeah, like there's there is a source because everything is either good or evil. It's either light right. or dark. So this is coming from 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 a, a a source. Then the next level up is do the people that's doing it. R- uh, intentionally or no, um, the actual, like, are, are they willing co-conspirators with Satan to do these things? Right. That I don't, I don't believe. Right. No, And I agree with you there because so, so what I feel like it, it's playing on your emotions that causes people to be triggered. It's, no, it's I, a design to, it's not designed for you to go out and just be a hateful person. It's something arises in you yeah. and you act out. It's, and I don't, so that's and, where I'm at. 
And then for me, it's the motivator for that is it's for me, it always comes back to money. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it always come, it always comes back to either um, like, this is how I define the American political system, the right and the left, the Republican and Democrat. All of them. <laughs> one wants money and one wants control. Right. So you have the, the, the right is big business. Right. Everything is built around the corporate heads making the most money as possible. Then the Democrats, all of their policies are built around control and power. Yeah. So you pick your poison between the two. Right. So everything from the top down is motivated by those two influences. Right. So they want racism to exist because the division makes them more money or gives them more pay. Because if we're divided, we're weaker. Absolutely. Right? And so that gives them – it's either giving them money or power and control. That's the two negative forces. Right. And then what's driving that is 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 Satan, is, is the flesh, is this desire to control everything. Well, and I'm going to take it one step farther. Not to cut you off. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but so while it's those two specifics is power and control and money – if we unite and we kill the two-party system, they lose that control. So if a third party comes out of nowhere that becomes as dominant as the right and the left is, what you end up with is somebody disrupting and now cutting into their power, their mm-hmm. money. And that, I think, is ultimately what they're scared of is the fact that, you know, as we're supposed to be united, that sometimes we do cut through the bull butter and we can see what's really going on here in America and that – have moments where people will band together yeah that scares them very much no yeah and i my i have more of a i don't know if you want to call it negative but a more uh like i don't i believe like i don't think things are going to get better in that sense right i don't believe there's going to be a third party that's going to rise up i think we're getting closer and closer to a one world like Absolutely. One, one world order. Dystopia, like yeah. One person controlling everything, right? Yeah. And so that's that's where that's where we're headed. And so uh so for me, getting back to the racism thing, um, I was watching this and I had no idea you were gonna ask this question. So <laughs> <laughs> I was but I really like watching doc documentaries and um when I was in prison actually, the second time I read a bi- a biography on Martin Luther King, right? And ever since I read this biography, I've just been really intrigued by this man and his beliefs, right? I just watched this documentary about six months ago about him as well. And he was asked a question. Um, there was a guy that was that would walk along with them, and they would do their hand up, like, for black yeah. power, right? And they asked him why he didn't do it. Did he believe in black power, right? And he said, um, I'm paraphrasing trying not to butcher it. And he said to him, the whole idea of races is ridiculous. Right. Like we're all one people. Absolutely. If you're saying black power or white power, Absolutely. it's still dividing us. Yes. And that, um, I really liked that. I thought that was, that was his whole approach wasn't one over the Man, other. You're going to get me on a rant here it's about that, this. <laughs> I'm telling it's you. It's that, it's that we're all, we're all, uh, we're all on this. And that to me is take it one step farther. Um, whenever we were talking about what's the line between acting something out and not acting some something out, and I'll be quick, I promise. <laughs> Everything for me, and for me this is biblically based, breaks down to three principles. Well, four. First, 
but three, and then I'll tell you that what the number one, uh, one B is we're all created equal. Two is to do life, no harm. And three is to stop harm to innocent life. Right. Right. And all of those are founded on the principle that we're all created in the image of God. Absolutely. Right. So if everything is based off those three principles, then, then, then one, no behavior that's going to harm life can be done. And I have to do everything I can to help the harm to innocent life. Right. Right. And so racism or any of the, any of the isms, right. Ageism, any of the, that's what the word schism means right. to, to divide. Right. Right. So all of the ageism, schism, schism, racism, everything is this. I'm is, sure it's some kind is, of an ism. Yeah, I know. <laughs> is, is it's the, it's to divide us. Right. And to, to, to me, that's not viewing each other as equal. And, and for, for me, it goes way deeper than just, than just the race topic. Like, um, like for me, I don't know why I'm getting this. Like for me, I'm, I'm pro-life, right? But I'm not just pro-life for babies. I'm pro-life against the death penalty right, too, right? Right? Because I don't have a right to say a life is not worthy for any reason whatsoever. I don't have the right to do that. Well, we talked about that in our first, very first episode in your testimony about how literally the prison system is designed to set you up for failure. It's not oh, designed absolutely. to. So we could eliminate things like the death penalty if it was a true rehabilitation like it's supposed yeah. to be. Oh, yeah. But it's and, not. And I have no problem with keeping somebody locked up, um, you know, but I don't for me. And then because and we were sitting at the dinner table. <laughs> I don't know how this got brought up at Thanksgiving dinner, but this question got brought up at Thanksgiving dinner. And my brother said, Alex, so you don't believe in the death penalty. What 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 would you do? I have two two daughters, a four year old and a, and a six year old. He said, what would you do if somebody did something to I think I can say this. What would you do if somebody did something to your daughter? I said, I have no problem with me handling it, right? Or even put them in prison and don't separate them and give them protective custody. Or I have no problem in me handling it myself and me taking the consequences that I have to deal with it. But the moment that the government or any authority figure comes in and gets to dictate one life is valuable over another for any reason whatsoever, that is not okay with 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 me. So I, I what I was telling saying to my brother from a government policy standpoint, the government does not have a right to dictate what life is valuable and what life is not val val valuable, right? But if somebody does something to my daughter, would I want to handle that on my own or or to I think to we all would or or to any father, right? I think we all would. Yeah, yeah you know, you know. Absolutely. But, and so that's for for me, race. All this stuff comes down to this principle of value of life. Right. Of, of, do you value the human being next to you? Right. You know, you know, you know what I mean? And well, going the, back to, so, and I'm going to let Michelle talk here in just a second. Um, going back to what you're talking about, like black power, white power, you know, blue power, green power, whatever. It's, it literally keeps a division amongst the people. And as soon as we learn to shed our labels, that's where we will find unity. And we will realize that we are all humanity. Do you know who Soren Kierkegaard is? I do not. Uh, he's uh, old school Christian. He's the he called out. Oh, probably the I'm going to get the dates wrong. Sixteen, seventeen hundreds, maybe. He called out the the Christians at that time for being Hellenistic Christians. They were all yeah. about materialistic. He had a, a, a quote which I it stuck with me. When you label me, you negate me. Right. So the moment you tell me what what I am, you're telling me what I am not. Right. Right. So death. 
labels and definitions define who you are and who you're not. They they divide. That, that's why I'm not into denominational titles whatsoever. Right. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. That's it, right? right? Everything else we can work out on an individual conversation basis. But the moment that we, we start forming tribes around beliefs and labels, we start – he, we're doing the same it, it, thing. Yeah. With you him. end up divided. Yep. Yeah. He's, Instantly. He's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, uh, you want to touch base on this? Yeah, I think that that is super important. Like, it is so true. Like, I might not be able to talk too much on racism, but I can talk a lot on tribalism. And yes, it's an actual thing. Like, racism is quite understandable. You know, it's like you can see the physical difference. But that with tribalism, you have this group of people that pretty much look alike, but they hate each other because they're not of the same tribe. And it's very prevalent here in Nigeria and pretty much in so many parts of Africa. And like that is such a big deal. That is actually something we're still dealing with up till now. And we just concluded the elections. I think today was the last day of the elections. And everything that has happened since it began was all centered around tribes. So here in Nigeria, we have like three main tribes and then we have like minority. I'm a part of the minorities, but like the three main tribes are all like kind of battling for power and for authority. And so you have like one guy that is the president from this tribe, and then you have like the other two tribes kind of saying, no, it's uh, it's 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 foul, it's Regan, he he doesn't deserve that, and maybe he doesn't deserve that. And then you have like this huge fight, and I'm I'm talking about chaos and violence and like mass murders and deaths. And then I'm asking myself like, what exactly is the point? Like, where, what is the way forward? Like, how do we get out of this? Because we're still one country. And then you have, like, the issue of this tribe, one tribe, wanting to separate from the country because they don't feel like they're, they are being noted or seen as important. And then it's just, it just, it's just, it's, it's a big spiral, like, downwards because now we cannot progress as a country because we're just having to sell this internal quarrels and arguments and fights. And so I was discussing with one of my um, co-worker one time, and then we were talking about this, like, how do we move forward? Is there even a way out? And then at the end of the day, I kind of figured that I don't think there is, as hard as it is for me to realize, I don't think anything is going to change anytime soon. Because even right from the point where you have to um, apply for employment, they ask you where you're from, they ask you your state of origin. They ask you your tribe. Like, it's, it's part of the requirements for vocation. And right from that moment, that kind of determines if you're going to get a job or not. Like, it, 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 it is happening. It's going to determine whether you're going to get into that company or get employed or not. And so you have, like, this one tribe um, being massively uneducated or illiterate because they don't have access to those opportunities. And so I don't think it's going to change anytime soon because we still place labels on ourselves. Like the first thing that they're going to ask you, maybe if you're chatting with somebody on the bus and then you guys kind of hit it off and then you want to continue the conversation elsewhere. The first thing, it's just like that, <laughs> that you know, as easy as it, as it is to ask you your name, they just ask you, oh, so where are you from? And then your answer to that would determine if you get to continue that conversation with the person. There's just that stereotype around tribes. You know, oh, if you're from this part of the country, then you're going to act this way. If you're from that part of the country, then you're going to act that way. And this whole belief system has been, um, it, it, it's, just, it's just going to be so hard to fix because it's something that we were brought up in. 
is something that we've been living in, except if you want to make that intentional um, decision not to stereotype people based on where they're from. But I think it's going to be really hard to break out from that because of the labels. So I feel like the, the time that we're going to stop seeing the differences between this person and that person is the moment where we stop placing labels. You know, he's not just a black man. He's not just a Nigerian man. He's a man. And that's all that matters. That's all you need to know. So, One of the, whenever I was, um, my, I'm going to school uh, for developmental psychology, but whenever we're studying kids and you're studying bias, right? So uh, how does, categ- how do, how does um, categorization, I'm, I, don't, I don't know if I said the right, bias ca- categorization. We're going to call uh, it a word. It's yeah, a word, anyway. guys. <laughs> Racism. How does all this begin from how does a child, how does it, so in developmental psychology, you're, you're looking at the pathways to two things, right? Right. So how does the pathway to racism start? Because racism isn't, you're not born. No, right, absolutely right? not. So if you were to put, uh, um, two children in a room, let's say black, uh, let's say a group of, um, black children and a group of white ch- children, right? They will perceptual bias, right? So they will normally tend to gravitate to, the to the ones that look like they look right right so very young young children they will tend to 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 go shift toward who they look like right now here's here's where the learning part comes into it value that is given to each category is learned so kids will naturally separate just because they notice a perception but they the value that they give to the other group is learned either through experience or most likely through family through culture through society right so, so can i inter- yeah, 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 real quick i know you're on a good roll here um so where does it come into play where it is so you still have these two groups you have black, uh, a, a black group and a white group Mm-hmm. Uh, African American, or if we want to be politically correct, I apologize. Um, but so, where does it come into play that the individual relationships that become that develop become overriding of that desire to be with who you look like? Exposure at a young age. Okay. So I just moved into the city, and I specifically moved one of the reasons, also because I like the vibe of the city better, but. It's just my energy better, but also I specifically moved into a multi-ethnic neighborhood, mm-hmm. so my kids would be exposed. Because you are, you become familiar wi- with what you're exposed to. Right. So the more that you're exposed to different, and it, what's key though is that um, their anchor at the at the house is really sound because they're going to experience beliefs from other people, but they you want to have their belief system set with you so they'll bounce it off you before they accept what they believe, right? So that that's the anchor. So then, as your child, as you raise your child, you you mimic in word and in action the value that you place to other groups. If any family members or anybody else or any 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 culture, music, what 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 whatever, is dropping these beliefs that there is separation in, in the two, the parent then drops that and reinforces the other. And third is simply exposure, like let your kids grow up with people that believe and think differently than they do. 
Right. Right. And that's how it, it becomes just non, non, it's just that to me, that's the, that's the pathway is, is we have to stop this. Um, there's this quote that said, tying it into the church. Um, there's this quote that says, some people want to live within the sound of chapel bell. He said, I want to have a rescue shop within a yard of the gates of hell. Right. So a lot of Christians, they want to back off and form their own little communities right. and their own little group think and their own little thing. And when that's not that's and to me, it's it's based in fear. Right. right. I don't want my kids around because I'm scared it's going to get on them. They're going to. Well, not if it's if it's rooted in the house, that's not going to happen. Right. And so and, and so a lot of it, instead of forming these groups and separating our we have to be separate from the world and belief and in family and we're tied into a church, all that. But it doesn't mean to to not associate and right. like be exposed to different groups, right? Right. And so for me it's exposure. We have to just not be afraid of each other. I was gonna <laughs> say if you're if you are living in that fear, then you're obviously not out doing the ministry work you're supposed to be doing as a Christian. Yeah. So we can, Just so y'all know, Christians, can I can, let, let me if I if you don't mind in a little rabbit trail. It, it bothers me sometimes when people are so scared of, um, of what might happen if like they're so worried like like a devil's just going to jump in their kid, yeah, right? Right, and there's like, <clears throat> or they're worried that if I if I'm around sin. Now, not if, like, I'm an ex-addict, so I'm not talking about if you're triggered, places you don't go to stay strong, that's completely something else. But but not allowing your, like, thinking that the devil's going to jump on me or that it's going to get on, get on me as if God can't protect you from that spirit. Because right. I, get, I get asked, you don't know how many times that I've been, uh, people have asked me at the church, all sorts of people, and they act as if the devil can just jump on them with no, like, he's got more power than God over right. you, right? And right. That, that that's not the case. And so whenever we're, how did I get into that, man? What rabbit trail? How, what is the pathway that I, that I, that I, that I, no, we were there. talking about, literally, we were going on about the differences and how children will go. So you have a group of African-Americans, you have white people, how basically they will learn from each other to don't be scared to associate right the devil's not like don't don't be scared god is strong enough to handle anything that's going to come come your way right and like, i feel you. like and it is it is don't go hang around that crowd like okay yeah i get it there's there's people you definitely don't want your children associating with no yeah but to tell everybody to turn their back from the entirety of society. No, like, how are they going to learn? How are they going to experience things that they need to experience to function in society? We're supposed to be light in darkness. Right. Like, that's what we're Absolutely. called. Like God is strong enough to keep you away. Like, like, like I'm an ex addict, man. And so I don't give any leeway to people saying I can't withstand from temptation. Right. I just don't like for a while. Yes. Like as you're developing strength in your faith, yeah, it's definitely a the, battle. Yes, absolutely. But after a while, like you should be strong enough to go into the world and change the world without the world changing you. Right. Like at some point in your <clears throat> walk, you should not be scared of the world. Right. Like you've got to have that warrior, that something inside of you that says, I'm not scared of the world. Like right. I'm, I'm, I, I can handle it. And real quick, I'll give a perfect example. Got out of prison, um, 10 year heroin addiction. We were going to the, we have the ministry center on the North, North 14th street up on the North side. Mm -hmm. 
I used to cop dope right there. Like, um, an associate of mine, um, a 14 year old walked up in the window and shot him twice in the neck and killed him as a gang initiation. Like I used to be right in that, in that area. So I get out of prison and we go down there and we, and we start building. Right. And, um, the triggers dude. like, I, I, I wouldn't go by myself. I wouldn't do, that's not me being scared of, I just got out of prison in a 10 year heroin addiction. Right. Like it wasn't time for me to go. For me to go in this area without, yes, now I can go down there and minister by myself. And so at some point we have to quit being scared of the world, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that, there's my rant. <laughs> oh, it's good, man. It's good stuff. What do you got, Michelle? What do you think? Um, I, I think the first thing that came to mind was um, the disciples right after Jesus's death. So you have Jesus telling them that they shouldn't leave that city until the gift that he sends to them um, arrives. That is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think that just speaks so much volume. Like, you can't go out into the world on your own. Like, that, it, that will be just daft because the temptations out there is just, it's scary to think of. Um, in, in all truth, it is really scary. It is really easy to go from ground probably 100 that you're on to ground zero in seconds when you go out on your own and then the holy spirit comes on the apostles and then they get this courage like you know they were initially scared because right after jesus's death it just felt like they were going to be next you know everyone was hunting them down they were the disciples of jesus and so they were scared to leave but then the holy spirit comes and then they just have that courage to go out not just to go out but to go out and preach about the same man that they, they just killed. So it's obvious that it wasn't by their power. That's the Holy Spirit at work. And I think it's really important for us to know that our strength to go out into the world or to intermingle with other people of different faiths and beliefs and um, tribes, and to do that successfully while still maintaining our beliefs and our faith is not by our own power. That's by the Holy Spirit. And so we have to be very careful that like um, I think Alex said that you 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 will get ready like you will know when you're ready. So we have to be sure that we are ready to go out when the Holy Spirit um, gives us that strength and that courage to go out, or else it would be um, really dangerous to do that on your own. So it was just like it was just like whenever Paul. There was times I think it was Asia. Paul wanted to go to Asia, and God said, or the Holy Spirit said, not not right now. Or, or, uh, you know, and so there's, yeah, that, that's my, whenever I get asked things like, what should I do? Or just helping people to find their, their guidance or to, in like discipleship, my not one of my main principles is develop your relationship with the Holy spirit. Like you, you need to become so comfortable with not comfortable, so familiar that you know, his voice, because that, yeah. then you learn the word and that's the background because anything that comes in that you think is from the Holy Spirit, if it's not filtered through the word, then you then like just don't do it. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and, and so then once you have that basis and then the Holy Spirit comes, yeah, it's like listening to that voice. And like I do it all the time to the point that here in St. Louis, we have a lot of just went and got my uh, my haircut. Right. And I I pull up. And I was going to pull up across the street from the barber shop, and there was a homeless guy there. But a, a parking spot o- opened up right in front of the barber shop, so I backed up and pulled around. But the homeless guy was sitting there. He kind of looked angry, like maybe I shouldn't, shouldn't. And so I said, "Okay, I didn't want him thinking that I just left 
because he's a homeless guy and he's sitting there and I'm too good for right. it. And sort of so I said, when, when I come out, I'm going to go over there and, and give him some money just to talk to him. You know. Um, and as, as I was coming out, I get in my car and I'm about to turn. And even in those moments, I, I pray every time. Should I go over there now or, or not? What amount should I give? And what should I not? And there was just a qu- not a check, but just that still small, like, hey, just pass the, this one up. Like, okay, I had the 20 out in my hand getting out of my car. And it was like, just pass the, the, this one up. But okay, all, all, all right. And to me, that's that spirit, right? That's that Holy Spirit just being so comfortable with it where it's like, I know him. Like, I, I know him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. No, I was going to, and I was going to touch base on that. So um, I think it's important, though, too. Like you just said that you got in your car and you you didn't want him to think that you were like oh I'm just moving homeless so I'm gonna give him money. I think we have to not be so concerned about um, whether we're being offensive or not. I think it's up to the other people to come and let us know. Like this is the whole point of anger, wrath, the whole nine yards. It's okay to feel angry. So if I've offended you, it's okay for you to come up and say hey man, you, you kind of offended me. I think we need to get out of our heads about worrying if we're offending people. And just continue to focus on the trail. I, I see it all the time. And I think a lot of Christians go through this process and this problem of, oh, man, did I say something I shouldn't have? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because it, it's okay to reflect on what you said and make sure that you're not offending people. But ultimately, if we go through it, then we're just constantly in a state of second-guessing ourselves instead of just doing what we got to do instead of being worried about what somebody else is feeling and thinking. Um, not so much feeling. Because we're we're supposed to go find out what they feel, but if I've offended somebody, um, yes, come and address me. But I shouldn't have to walk on eggshells around it. Yes, can I give a little bit of pushback, or maybe a little no, bit of, of a different perspective? Let's say with this individual, particularly, right? <clears throat> My goal is um, two two things. I want every encounter for people to be better off, and this is I'm not just saying this, um, like. I really like. I really think this stuff out. So, like, I want every encounter for people, whether it's the cashier at Walmart, somebody I'm on the street, right. for them to be better off than what I left, right? Whether it's just feeling good, a simple hi, 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 and hello. I want every encounter to be like like that, right? So, if I pull up and I cause anything other than that, I want to change it and address it, right? Right. So that that's one. Two. Whenever you're that low or you're that down the motivation to get up and speak your mind is gone. So as the Christian, it's my job to take the extra effort and go to the offended, right? Especially in that circumstance, because when you're that low, and we can get on the psychology of it, when you're homeless, you're that low, um, what's going, what, even what, like what motivates people to get up and do anything is gone. Right. Right. And so um, that, in that situation with that type of person, the only type of way he's going to tell me I offended him is with anger and, and and things I don't want him to express, right? Right. First off. And so for me, it's um, – I don't know. I don't I, – I'm constantly thinking, am I offending you? Right? That's that's kind of a thing in my – not – not now – Michelle, you don't you don't know me, but I'm covered in I'm covered in tattoos, and and so I don't care if I offend you too much, right? <laughs> but 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 if um but also I my behaviors I do, and my dad um 
this is I wish every Christian would 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 function like this. He taught us this. You 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 act so that your effectiveness is not hindered. And that word effectiveness, the words that you speak are going to affect people. Are they effective? And if your lifestyle hinders their effectiveness, then you are you are saying my how I took that is my liberties are more important than your spiritual growth. Right? That's not my point. My point was literally that um, I'm not so, as a Christian, yes, we should always go over there and say, hey, yeah, yeah. you know, I love oh, you, no, no, no problem. No, yeah, I, I was, but yeah, the yeah, fact that the way society is right now, I don't care if you're Christian, you're Buddhist, you're Muslim, whoever you are, whatever you are, you should not have to walk around feeling oh, like yeah, no, I completely agree. you're offended. So my whole point was that at that point in time where you felt like you may have offended him or that you were worried about what he thought um, as a point of offense towards him, my whole outtake on that was I don't think he was thinking that way, and I shouldn't have to think that way that a simple action offended him, that my, my outward action isn't offensive to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But – if I was directly over there, oh, you stink and you're homeless and you're <laughs> I, just, so, you know, then I, I get what you're where you're coming from. But I just don't think we need to be be functioning like that in America anymore. I think it's too tense in America. I agree days. completely. If we're talking about, I don't care if I offend your political beliefs. I don't care if I offend your feelings in a, in, in, in a sense. But a homeless man that's already right. Down but even and that out, homeless man, it's a, you I go care over there about and say, yeah, absolutely. Him, you know what I mean? But it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that that prevalent it should be oh i agree like like the the church needs to worry it needs to stop worrying about if the gospel is offending somebody like if everybody needs to stop worrying about offending people (laughs) just stop offending people i mean (laughs) that 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 yes but with, with this particular instance when i want somebody to feel the love of god i personally i i will go beyond above and beyond to try um because most likely People have walked away from him or crossed the street when, when right. they when they saw him, and I wanted the goal. the motive, The motivation was I wanted him to know that there's somebody that doesn't care about that. Like I, I love you. I don't know you, and you might be mad at me, but at the end of the day, I value you as a human being. Okay, right? but stop me if I'm wrong. The fact of you pulling money out and going, not just no, I, I got a, I got no, I didn't. Okay, so but that would change that whole. Pers- Perspective of oh this dude just looked at me as I'm another hum bum just laying on the ground and I'm worth nothing by you moving your car even if it possibly could have triggered that thought that all changes the moment that you walk up to him and you, you show that money. Christian side of him absolutely so it, like I said worrying about offending people we shouldn't be focused on that we should be focused on delivering and oh yeah 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 the focus shouldn't be on offense the focus should be on obeying God and delivering the gospel. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, absolutely. we took a long route around it's that one. Like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anyways, let's get, let's keep moving on forward. Um, no, this has definitely been a fantastic conversation, um, and it's exactly what I wanted to get across uh, through our audience and uh, everybody else um, would have to be part of our audience. So I'm going to leave it there. Anyways, um, I did have a story that I wanted to come up with or that I wanted to share with you guys um, the other day. A couple weeks ago, I was working over the weekend. That's why I didn't make it to church. Um, I think it was. A, I think we were trying to do podcasting that weekend. It just wasn't going to work because it was. I was working all weekend, and uh, man, 
story, this really broke my heart. I was uh, coming up uh, Highway 30 up to the 270 light. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And as I get up there, I just start hearing somebody yelling. Roll my window down. And this guy is in this Mustang going completely off on this poor girl. She's driving like a, a van taxi cab. And he is literally going, I mean, just bonkers on her. I, I was, and this is what actually I think inspired. No, it didn't. No. Uh, it just it definitely became a story that I wanted to tell. But anyway, this guy in this red Mustang was going completely off on this poor girl, um, calling her every racial slur he could um, at the N word. And that's why nobody likes black people. And blah, blah. I'm just like, yeah. my, I mean, my chin was, and it, it almost made me cry. Like I, I was, Absolutely. I was broken hearted yeah. that this poor girl, like he even told her, roll your window down. And she, I guess she didn't realize what was going on at first. And she did roll her window down. So I know she heard everything that man had to say to her. Yeah. And it was, I've never really witnessed something like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I live a protected life. I don't know. Um, but anyways, that, especially with everything that's going on here in the United States with division, uh, racial bias, racial issues, everything, that was disgusting. And the Christian in me um, kind of went bye-bye for a minute, and I really wanted to go punch him in the mouth. Yeah. But I didn't. So um, I didn't get out of my car. I left it alone. Uh, I definitely prayed for that poor girl. Um, I prayed for him too, but uh, she was who I was more concerned about. It was I, I know that hurt. Yeah. I know that stung her heart real bad. Yeah. But I just wanted to share that because it was. It, I was just like, wow. See, okay, so here's my my thing. <laughs> I don't know why, dude. As you're saying the story, my heart is pounding right now, dude. Like, I, I, yes, I feel right. it. I feel it right. Right. Because I don't like that stuff. That no, stuff bothers disgusting. me. Um. Uh, so I, I don't know if I would have done something, but I would have want, I, there, there's a good chance I would have tried, I would have got out and tried to deescalate it as well as I could have. And I have no problem. Um, it just depends on what it's going to cause, right? If, if he's doing her harm, right. Then it, he's got to be stopped. And so that's my, but then again, um, what is it going to escalate to? You know, you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, that would that would be a real. It depend, if I was by myself, we'll see. If like let's say it was me and a bunch of buddies in, in the car, right? We're getting out, and we're and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna handle so it. So here's my thing: we're sitting at a stoplight. It's one of those things like that situation was already bad, but when do you intervene? When do you step in and put somebody in their place? When do I get to make my whip? If he if take it to him. that ask the Holy Spirit where that where that line is. So specifically for me, man, dude, I don't know if I should share all this. Um, I'm a convicted felon, right? So I can't own a gun, right? I don't own own, own a gun. So you're not telling me to go put my gun in his face, right? If you had a gun, you might should have. No, come on. No, that, no, that, no, 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 no. I have no, I have no problem <laughs> going there if he wants to go there. Right, no, that, like that's, that's what I'm saying. With the gun, I understand. If he's harming another person, right? It, it, especially if he gets physical with, with her. No, no, no. He was in know, his car yelling through her window. There was no. Did he no, get out of his no, car? No, did not. Oh, no, okay. No. I'm sorry. If, no, if there's, a, I thought there, he was out of his <laughs> I'm car. Like Alex is like, get over there and put it in no, his face. Okay, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. Let's step way back. In my mind, he's out of his car. No, at her window. No, 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 no. Oh, he rolled okay. his window down, so he pulled up next to her on on her passenger side at the stoplight. So we were sitting at the stoplight. He rolled his window down and started screaming at her, all profanities, 
and calling her every racial name in the book and told her to roll her window uh, down, okay. and she did before okay. she really heard sorry. what he said. Sorry, sorry, now, sorry, if he sorry. gets out and starts attacking her car, I understand where you're coming That's from. That's what I'm talking about. That, no, that if, if it's just them two cars, <laughs> if yeah, let me step back. If there's just two cars <laughs> next to each other, she sh- she just shouldn't have rolled down her Alex window. Alex, fuck. No, I'm not. not I, I'm, I'm not at all. No, but I'm I joking. don't. I just that I can't. I couldn't. Oh, what I was saying. Sorry, step back. <laughs> Outside the car, one thing. Inside the car, I would have told um, she shouldn't roll down the window. She, no, she, I don't she, think she, she realized that. what was going on. Like I think she he was mad because she was on her phone. Okay, and I get the anger. I get that everybody gets mad at everybody yeah. they're playing on their phone while they're driving. She didn't deserve that. No, and, and he you still know, need to be put in his place. But no, inside the car, she should have just rolled it up and gone about. In my head, he was like, got out of the car. Inter- like, inter- yeah, that's yeah. what that bothers me a lot. No, just no, no, next no, no. in the car. Yeah, she should have just rolled up window. So, but back, I don't own a gun, but I want to start jujitsu because I want to be able to. Todd ne- McGraw. I want to be able to neutralize a situation if I need to. Right. Especially with my daughters getting older. I don't want to have to do something like where I don't know how to how to handle myself. Yeah, absolutely. So in that situation, being able to neutralize you just it, told the world that you don't know how to handle yourself. So. <laughs> being a, be, being able to neutralize a situation, I think absolutely. is. Uh, uh, what is that that um, uh, what's his face? Steven Seagal does. It's all the joint manipulation. Uh, Aikido. That's the stuff that you want to learn right there. Sorry. Uh. Uh-uh. So Aikido. Hop keto. The only reason I know this is because I sometimes listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. Don't kill me. Don't judge me. Um, uh, a keto is, was made for samurais when they lost their sword to fight a guy that had a sword and then to take it away from them. Gotcha. So in like a fight, it's like really it is kickboxing and jujitsu is what you should learn if you want to defend yourself. And that's, that's all. I'm not a fighter at all. I've been to prison three times, never got into, a, I had to boot up a couple times, but on, never actually got into a physical alter all altercation, so I'm not a fighter whatsoever. Right, but um, but I can't own a gun, and I, I also have a 120 pound American bully. He's gorgeous. He, He's he, absolutely <laughs> good looking dog. I love and that he dog. He will. Um, he has no problem defending the kids and me. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he tries to jump on me and knock me down. All right, so yeah, and then so I want to actually touch base on a situation that actually happened to me. Uh, I was at McDonald's and go figure, right? Um, and I'm in a newer car. I'm in my Pathfinder. My Pathfinder, you can see the back of right? And so you know how nowadays, because of coronavirus, everybody gets pulled around the corner. You got to wait for your, them to bring your food out to you. And so I'm sitting there, but I, I pulled too far up on a dude's tail end, right? So in order to get out, I have to back up, turn, and get out and move. I get my food. I'm like, thank you, ma'am. You know, whatever. And definitely not. I shouldn't have acted like I did. But I put my, I put it in reverse. Got my camera so I can see how close I am to the dude's tail end. And I start slowly backing up. And I get, and I'm like, so I keep moving. I hit the brake. And I kept going back, you know, so I can get enough to move my front end. I roll down the window, dude, and I hang out. I'm like, I have a backup camera, <laughs> moron. And, you know, I, I lost it, and I shouldn't have. Uh, it definitely was me playing my emotions on that poor guy. And he's just looking at me like, ugh, ugh. I'm like, no, dude, there was no need for you to actually honk your horn. Yeah, I have yeah. Most vehicles now have a backup. If I was in some dingy old 95 
Ford Ranger, then I get it. <laughs> but no, I was not. I was in a Nissan Pathfinder. You can see the backup camera right above my license plate. Mm-hmm. You know I have one. There's no need to honk your horn. Yeah. And yeah, I let him have it. So, <sighs> How'd you feel after you did? Yeah, honestly, I felt horrible. I really I drove <laughs> away and I was like, man, I should not have acted that way. I should have just been like, eh, whatever, man, and pulled off. But I didn't. And I honestly felt bad. I, I literally let felt me bad. Ask a, let me ask a question and we can segue into kind of the um, – we're getting low on the camera. Oh, I got gotcha. uh, Segue into this. Somebody that's dealing with anger, um, dealing with not being able to control the anger, and it becomes wrath. Michelle, would you have any tips or any – Anything for somebody that is dealing with with not being able to control their anger, whether from a personal experience or a biblical, I mean, from personal context or biblical context, um, anything that could that could help somebody? I mean, the only thing I can say is pray. Like, <laughs> I'm literally that person you're talking about. I, I did have a lot of issues kind of controlling my anger. <laughs> I'm always... Like, giving that quick response, I find it really hard to kind of take a step back and rethink the whole situation. And so um, what has helped me so far is kind of be patient. So, like, while I was reading up about these seven deadly sins, there are also seven virtues that could help overcome those sins. And so the virtue for anger is patience. And then I was wondering, like, what does patience have to do with anger? But then when I thought about it, it it made sense because while you're angry, like, nothing else matters in that moment, in that split second, except to do what you want to do and to just react so that you could kind of calm down. But, like, with patience, you can just wait, wait out, like, 10 seconds and reanalyze the whole situation. And then that that helps a lot because you sometimes you just figure out that it wasn't as serious as you thought it was. So first of all, I would say pray about it. You cannot overcome anger by your own power. Trust me. I've tried from experience. (laughs) It always ends up bad. So you have to pray about it and ask God to help you. And then second of all, you have to be intentional about that. So for me, while I was praying about it, then I kind of saw that, there were so many instances where I was put to the test and it was like, so my reaction to those kind of situations would be to act out, to kind of um, blurt out an insult. But then I kind of realized that when I took a step back and probably waited out like 20 seconds, it helped me calm down um, in most situations. And that really helped a lot. So I would say be intentional also. Because um, while you pray about it, then God is going to give you so many tests to see how you react. So take probably 20 minutes or, sorry, 20 seconds. Or, I mean, take 20 minutes if you need to. And then see how you see the whole situation again. So, Yeah, there's a, um, so what, and I'll try to, I won't try to take real, real long. Um, anger. Right. Whenever we express anger, you know what effect is with the A A F F E C T effect, not effect, but effect. So effect is is like is like like a a a verb, right? And it's the way your environment uh, causes your emotions in some way. It, it spurts your 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 emotions. So in order, so when you get angry, the emotion rises. Okay. Yes, it does. Right. <laughs> so as the emotion rises, then us as people, some people have the ability, some people don't. I 
specifically study addiction, that's really why addicts use because the inability to regulate emotion. Because we all want to come back to this homeostasis, right? This, right. The, this, this equilibrium. Being angry doesn't feel good. Nobody wants to be angry mm-hmm. all, of, all of the time. So whenever you're saying patience, right, anger, anger comes and the emotion rises. Patience is the ability to self-regulate, right? Because if you can't regulate yourself, you can't be patient. So whenever you're, so it's awesome how you said to take time because what time, time is the regulator. So you get real angry. I want to act. If in that split moment, I can take a breath. There's a real quick one. Two inhales through the nose, one out through, through the mouth actually triggers the heart to slow down and it puts oxygen into the brain and it calms you down. So in that split moment, if you can take a deep breath, try to get stuff, stuff out of your set, out of your system. And then take time, right? Then the patient settles in and you're actually, without medications, without anything, you are regulating your own, your own effect state, right? And that's, that's also the key to help addicts, right? Right. Is teaching them how to regulate their, the way that their body's feeling. So when I get angry, I feel a certain way. I don't like how it feels. And so I lash out at you. I'm going to. In order for me to turn the valve and blow the pressure off of what the anger caused, the tension, the stress, I'm going to lash out at you to blow my valve, right? We have to learn how to blow that valve without lashing out at you. And so the patience is just doing that. It's saying I'm going to figure out a way to blow the valve without blowing it out on you. You know what I mean? Yep. So that, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, because my – so. <laughs> One of the things that really gets to me is that is, oh my gosh, like you have no idea, like just one little instance and just like boil. And then a little, mm-hmm. another little incident at like at work, I boil. And then the next thing you know, it's like, Ooh, why? <laughs> it happens. It happens. I, I can definitely. Yeah. Can I, can I tell you why that happens to you? Sure. Okay. So you're, you are an introvert, right? Yeah. So you process the world internally, right? That, that, that's why you need alone time so that you can process everything that's going on inside of you. Right. So extroverts, they can process it. They can process it externally. Introverts have to have alone time. So their body can, and they're literally their body, their brains, their mind can process what's going on. So an extrovert, something might happen to them, and they might spout off and blow that right off, right? An introvert will keep that in. Yeah. The next time, we'll, we'll keep it in again. We might even keep it in again. What about four or five? <laughs> it's going <laughs> down. Yeah, yeah, we can't do it no more, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And so that's, that, it, it's all about how we, we, we want to process. So what you could do is do you voice your, your frustration? Or, uh, so I get to a boiling point where do, I explode. Before yeah. you get there, do you yeah. voice it? I used maybe to keep it all. May, in. See, maybe try voicing it, right? And then, uh, in the moment, right, in a loving way, voice it. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> bo- bo- voice it, and then you could, because what you're doing, your body's is getting that out. You're right. you're not keeping it in. So yeah. it's funny that you talk about the whole, and I, I don't know how much time we have left over here. Um, so I got to do this quickly. So at work, we took um one of those tests. Uh, a uh, characteristic test that gives you your five strengths. Mm-hmm. And one of mine was intellect and harmony. Okay. And um, so there was one that he was talking about 
that has to do with um, what you were just saying, where um, I have to process everything. Introvert. No, it was it was there was another term that it was used for, and I may, it may have even been harmony. Uh, people that have this harmony, the strength, they have to actually process things before they actually intuition. Let, maybe it is intuition. He's describing into into intuition. So yeah, and that so it was that that I had to, and my boss they actually made my boss realize that between me and another guy that have intuition is one of our five strength or one of our five characteristics, top five characteristics. Mm-hmm. That there was a different way that we actually have to stop. And think about things before we can just react and do what needs to be done. So you're an introvert intuitive, right? Right. So um, in, 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 intuition is the way that you process the information, right? So intuition is your ability to recognize patterns. It's the meaning behind the meaning, right? So um, uh, a woman's intuition or, 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 or a man's hunch, right? This is, this is, this is an internal mechanism that recognizes patterns subconsciously and lets you know it. So how does it do that? Most likely, your third one is feeling over knowledge, right? So you're looking for the information of people rather than information for the sake of information's sake, which means so the way that you're grabbing information is by taking it internally, recognizing patterns. The type of information that you're looking for is feelings, right? So, and this is how you, this is, this is how you navigate the, the world with the, in, the intuition as the harmony, you have to take it in. And most likely you, uh, you're getting really into psychology now. So if you are an, an introvert, intuitive feeler, right? You're looking for feelings the way that you, the way that you, uh, work through them is by feeling them, right? It's where the word empathy come, come, comes from. I feel your sorrow in my heart, right? And so then when you, when you go into a room, when you're in a circumstance, the introvert wants to go in, the intuition has to take it in in order to, to, to work it like a puzzle. And then you bring it out. Does that does that yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, this absolutely. is all the psychology of of a guy named C C G Young, and uh, he came up with uh, with the different uh, different psychology types, and then it made this whole. Yeah, we took out. one at work that delivers. So it's up to like fifty different traits, but your top five are pretty much how you uh, function daily, mm-hmm. and then like you have a top ten, and it goes into like a top twenty. And so on. Yeah, so there. It's all different breakdowns of of personality psychology. It was, yeah, it was yeah, really, it's cool. really cool. Uh, so, we have anything else, Michelle? Do you have anything else you want to discuss real quick? Um, concerning anger or the personality types. Uh, either or. <laughs> anything. <laughs> Just don't comment on my anger. <laughs> well, all I can say is um, that first of all, um, for anger that we have to realize in order to gain control of it is that we have to realize that anger is not like something that happens to us. It's something that comes out of us. And so it means that we have a chance to get to control it. So just for people that are kind of dealing with anger issues that you can control your anger issues. You can, you just have to, um, have the help of God, first of all, and then be intentional about controlling it. And then for the personality types, I think there are like 16 different personality types. And I would recommend that you take the test because I did, and it has helped me um, understand myself a lot better, like by far. And what, yeah, what I think, 
I think I am the INFP or INFJ. I don't really remember what the um, letters stand for. I think it's the introvert, um, feeling intuitive. I don't know what the last letter. So, so, so your first three letters are the are are the I N and the F. That's what I was just describing. So that w when I was de describing how you process inf information, that would be that would fit up that up up the um up the alley of the INF. That's re <laughs> that's really cool that you're into podcasting too. So it, it, um introvert intuitives tend to be really really creative. Um, and, and, and into not creative, like just the arts. Right? I'm going to tell you right but, now, we did very... a project at work building bridges <laughs> with literally mush our marshmallows and toothpicks and we failed miserably. <laughs> I had, I did not good. I did. No, I was horrible. I made a stick. Literally. Creative. When I say creative just simply means that, uh, you take you like you can be creative with words. You can be creative with all sorts of things. The fact that this podcast is all about expressing yourself, right? right. That's the third letter. The feeling is your and if you're an if if all of because I'm an INFJ. So if we're all INFs, it were inch were introvert intuitive feelers right so we take feeling in we're introverted ex intuitives and extroverted feeling so part of our cognitive stack is to express what's inside so we take the world inside we create it and then we we express it out the first the in philosophy i'm talking about years and years and years ago, like a hundred so years ago they the word create create was called play right so they people create they play an architect will play with lines. A musician plays with with notes. A writer plays with uh with 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 letters. Podcasters play with ideas, right? So it's all it's all about cre creativity. INFs, that's exactly what they do. They take the world in, they they create it, and then they bring it out to uh, to express the feeling that it causes. And then on top of that, we just don't like people. I'm just uh all right uh so i think we're about at the end of it guys uh that was a fantastic discussion michelle thank you so much for your patience and dealing with uh, my scheduling issues our technical difficulties uh you were a, a great trooper for hanging on there for a while and all of the rabbit trails sorry <laughs> um go ahead and tell them again uh plug in all your information where you want people to find you at are you there All right. Uh, we think we lost her. You want to go uh, go ahead and... and yeah, I'll fill in for her. Uh, so anyway, our guest was Michelle from The Flawedcast, F-L-A-W-E-D. Um, it's a fantastic show. I've really, I really enjoyed it. Right now she's doing uh, actual a Bible of the Bible in a year. All right. And she's really digging into it. She does a great job breaking everything down. Uh, so I truly, truly recommend getting out there and checking out her podcast. Uh, other than that... I don't think we have much more. Alex, you got anything? No, we're done. So I'm Jason. This is Alex, the man across the table. And we are the Bearded Christians. This has been another episode of Ignite Your Faith. We love you guys. Peace out. <laughs>